We welcome into the program from the uh, podcast Locked on Big 12, we say good morning to Josh Neighbors. Josh, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm well, gentlemen. I'm watching our U.S. curling team right now as I uh, talk to you guys. So life is good this morning. <laughs> How about that curling team? All right, uh, let, let's uh, let's begin with uh, with uh, some college basketball on the men's side. And, and Josh, we were talking about bracketology and that type of stuff this morning. Uh, when, when you look at this league, and 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 you know, look, there's going to be teams that go on the road and and they're going to get beat. Texas came to Waco the other day and got beat soundly. Uh, but when you're losing to to a high-caliber, high-quality team with a great uh, record, a great RPI, great strength of schedule. How much does that hurt you with with your strength of schedule, your RPI, and, and, and with the committee as you get ready here in the next few weeks to uh, as they put the, the tournament together? Well, it depends on who you are. I mean, we're seeing Iowa State put that theory to the test right now. They're dead last in the Big 12 Conference but every major bracketologist has them in. As of yesterday, Bracket Matrix, which basically just takes the average of all of the bracketologies and puts them together, um, they have Iowa State still as a seven seed. So Iowa State is putting to the test how many quality losses could one team have in a season <laughs> because they're racking them up at a very rapid rate. But you go and you look at, at them and you, and you look at teams like them and uh, Oklahoma State, I love the little kind of almost press release that Joe Lenardi sends out. And he sent one out where it showed uh, if Oklahoma State were eligible, he said as of yesterday that they would be in that first four out, last four in category. And before yesterday's game, they started off as a 500 basketball team, but they were 5-7 and seven in the Big 12, and they've got some big wins along the way. So I would say it hurts teams more <clears> – <throat> excuse me – uh, like the ACC teams are a bit more in jeopardy of being hurt by this. Wake Forest lost to Miami the other day hurts them more, in my opinion, than Oklahoma's loss. You know, at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, a good example of this is kind of way things work. The net ratings are so weird. UVA last night for them, them playing Virginia Tech, two kind of similar teams record-wise. Um, it was a quadrant one game for UVA at Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech playing UVA, them being at home, made it a quadrant three game for UVA. So that kind of weird stuff generally actually affects other conferences more than it affects the Big 12 because there are so many good teams. There's so much depth in the Big 12. It's not like you're playing, you know, you're not playing that many teams that are outside the purview of the tournament. And the ones that you are, i.e. Oklahoma State, uh, you know, they're still viewed generally as pretty good teams. Is there a magic number in your opinion? Uh, is eight the magic number in the Big 12? Get to eight wins in the league and you got an outstanding chance to get into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's going to depend on who you are. So Iowa State's not going to get there um, at, at this point. I think, it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that if you're three and nine in the conference at this point, you're probably not going to get to eight wins. But for them, if they can go four and two the rest of the way, I think that pretty much will solidify their positioning just because the gangbusters non-conference that they had. Um, I would say Kansas State, yeah, that's, that's probably the right range. They need to go about 500 here in the league. And I think eight might be the magic number for wins. I think eight might also be the magic number for the number of teams the Big 12 gets in. I still think there is a chance with the way Kansas State can rip off uh, some wins. That was a good win for them last night. I think this conference can get to eight. I'd say the two teams – 
that would be excluded at that point in time are going to be West Virginia and Oklahoma State, obviously. Um, Oklahoma's there playing with fire. Iowa State's quality of play has them playing with fire. But I think Kansas State can get themselves in there. I think Oklahoma is on the right side of the bubble right now. I still think Iowa State is on the right side of the bubble right now. How much better is this conference still right now than any other conference in the country? Yeah, so I've been watching a, a decent amount of the Big Ten recently. And I, I'll say this, it's a, pre, it's a pretty good conference. Um, I, I've got some questions about teams up top. But, yeah, this is still the best co- basketball conference in America. The SEC obviously might say, well, you know, we won the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, the SEC, I think the Big 12 still went is, is either 8-7 and seven or 9-7 and seven this year against the SEC, so they hold a season-long advantage over the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's closer this year than it was last year. Last year, I, I felt pretty strongly that this was the best conference in America. I still feel that way this year. Um, I just don't think the teams at the top – there's more good teams at the top than there were last year, um, but they're not as strong. You know, these, these, this isn't – uh, you know, I felt amazing about last year's Texas team. Uh, I, I feel like Kansas hasn't put it all together yet for a sustained stretch, even though the record's great. Baylor, I feel so bad because of all of the injuries. Texas Tech still has a couple blips in the radar like last week we saw against Oklahoma and really that first half against TCU. So this is still the best conference in America, but I actually don't know if it's better than last year's. Josh, uh, kind of – Going off of that, when you look at the, the landscape of college basketball, to me there's so many good big men across the board. You mentioned watching Big Ten basketball. Purdue's got a couple of seven-footers in there. We know what Kessler could do at Auburn. With JTT going out for the remainder of the season, how does that impact Baylor headed into March Madness? How far do you think the Bears can go without having a true big man in the middle? Well, I, I said this the other day. You know, My big fear is that Baylor, the, the story of Baylor's title defense might be that they really never got to get it going in conference play. It was so awesome in non-conference, and then they've just been riddled with injuries, and, and it's been difficult, and Scott Drew has talked about it, but he's remained positive and said, look, this is part of the game, it's part of sports, it's part of basketball, that's, that's power, the relentless positivity. I think things change like this. They are just going to have to go spread them out, um, you know, might just play Sohan or play Meyer at the five on times where Flo Samba is not in the court, because really the – what what Baylor was doing was putting together the combination of Samba and, and JTT to basically equal out the play of a big man for the entire game, right? Much like the way that Travion Williams and Zach Eady do that at Purdue. And <clears throat> Samba is this terrific, energized, rim-running, undersized big who can play bigger because he's such a phenomenal athlete. Now you're going to have to step up. You're going to have to see what guys – and I think – Sohan's the guy we look at, and that, that's going to be a, a potential small ball five. Matt Myers' uh, play style screams small ball five. So when Thamba's not in the game, we're going to have to see the old school, not the old school, I mean last year's, run him up and down Baylor team where you get the ball to playmakers as Kinjo and, and Flagler and Brown and hopefully eventually Cryer on the perimeter and have those guys spread them out and make some plays. Um, that's, I think, the way you're going to have to attack this because JTT is such a huge loss. But the good thing for Baylor is they're so well coached and they've got enough talent to maybe, maybe overcome it. Speaking of uh, a talent, in, 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 what is going on with West Virginia? Why is this team struggling right now? I don't think – I just don't think they're good. I don't think they have the talent 
that they had in the past. You think about the the caliber of player that they've lost in the last three years. I, I, Deuce McBride actually has been a fun player to watch for the Knicks this year. I, I love Derek Culver. I, I've always mentioned this, though, him uh, really gutting it out in the Big 12 tournament last year when he clearly had the flu on the bench. You know, you could see the wrist, the uh, armband of where they were giving him the IVs, just, you know, head in the towel kind of Jordan flu game look. Um, that's a great, really tough, awesome big man they lost. Oscar Shibway is currently one of the front runners for National Player of the Year. They thought they'd have him last year. He's gone. So, really, it's just been, you know, Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil this year and uh, a little bit of scoring off the bench. But this is just not a typical West Virginia team. They just they, they kind of lack the talent that a normal team has. They've got some, but not enough. And they're not hitting the road games. They lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to Kansas State, both those last two games on the road. They had to get one of those, really, in my opinion. They do get KU at home coming up, but they're just not a team right now that feels like they're going to beat KU at home. You mentioned a couple of these teams earlier, but with Kansas and Texas Tech and even Baylor in the mix, is there a good shot that you'll see a Big 12 representative in the Elite Eight or maybe even the Final Four this year? I, we hope so, but like it's, it's interesting because you know the teams at the top right now um, Arizona, I mean, like Arizona, I would hate the lead eight matchup for any of these teams with Arizona. Gonzaga right now just seems like they're going to score 150 points on every single team that they play. Kentucky and Auburn, to me, both when they're at full strength, look awesome and look like they're just, you know, it's going to be tough to beat them in a neutral setting, especially with the way you guys mentioned Walker Kessler. Good Lord, has he become, I mean, the, the, the fact Carolina lost him is absolutely devastating. He has become one of the best players in the country, maybe the best big man in the country away. So it's going to depend on the matchup. You know, I think you say yes because they've got three good candidates in Baylor, Texas Tech, and KU. The question is, though, you know, can those teams be the consistent uh, versions of themselves on neutral courts that we really have not seen yet? I mean, we even saw KU at home last week really struggle with OU. And, and last night we saw them take care of business. And uh, in, in the last couple of weeks, we saw him run Baylor and then get run by Kentucky. So I think Kansas has the best shot because of the amount of talent and the way that group has kind of coalesced. But they're going to have to do it on, on a, on a, you know, uh, every other day basis once they hit the tournament. And they haven't done that to me yet, despite how good the record is. Talk with the host of Locked On Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors. Josh, last night I'm watching K-State and uh, West Virginia go at it. I'm a big Nigel Pack fan. I love Nigel Pack. I think he's one of the better players in this league and in the country in general. But when I'm watching that game and I'm seeing the talent around him, like you have uh, Noel's pretty good, and they really kind of went on a run once he took that fall there at the end. But if they don't put the pieces around Nigel Pack this offseason, could you see him hit the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean, you're always worried about players like that. I mean, I think the big concern for Bruce Weber right now is keeping his job. I think that was – last year was such a disaster for Kansas State. Um that, you know, a lot of questions had to be asked. And luckily, he's got some pedigree because of what he's done in the past. But I think their focus right now is on finishing this season strong. And I think that's a tournament team. In any other conference in America, that's, that's definitely a team that's going to be in position to make the NCAA tournament. I think we, I like Noel. I think he's a really good player. Mark Smith has been awesome for them. He is a strong rebounding guard. I think they've got enough firepower to make the NCAA tournament right now. 
Um, and look, guys, they're one game below 500 in the Big 12. It might, it might not feel like it, but that's a, that's a team to me that if you compare their resume to, you know, like Oklahoma's and Iowa State's, I mean, or, or even West Virginia, like they're right there with those teams. So I think Kansas State's got a good chance to make the tournament. And if they do, I actually don't know, know if Nigel Pack would leave, especially because he's, a, he's not an easy guy to assimilate another team. He's such a high-volume shot taker. That's not just something you can assimilate into a Kentucky, right? Into a, you know, into a Tennessee or, or, you know, an Auburn, right? A guy who takes a high volume of difficult shots, kind of like we've seen Remy Martin take, um, you know, with Kansas has not been a smooth transition. So yes, you could definitely see a player like that hit the portal, especially because he's a very good three point shooter, but it's not always easy to assimilate those guys into really good teams. Maybe he's better off at a place like K-State. As far as tonight goes, we're going to have two Big 12 games uh, with Iowa State and TCU and also Oklahoma and Texas, and we kind of touched on it earlier. Oklahoma is really hot right now. Texas coming off that loss at Baylor. What are your thoughts on these games tonight? Yeah, Oklahoma needs us win. I mean, I mean they're, they had a chance to get themselves way off. No, they beat Texas Tech, which is awesome. It kind of gave them a chance to you know get way off the bubble against KU. I mean, a wins against Tech and KU, you're going to be safe for right now. They fall late in that game. But that's kind of a, a okay, all right, we, we gave you guys that one at a loss. You are home against Texas now. It's another chance to rack up a top 25, quadrant one win. You're at home, big rivalry. It's a game that if you want to keep yourself on the right side of the bubble or, in some people's opinions, get yourself on the correct side of the bubble, it's a game that Oklahoma is going to have to win. And Texas right now is one-point favorite, so that's, that's pretty interesting. I kind of like the home teams right now. They seem to be playing very well. Iowa State-TCU is a pretty compelling game, too. This is a game that Iowa State needs pretty badly. TCU doesn't need it, but, I mean, they want to stay above 500 in the conference. But Iowa State State at 16-10 and 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 3-10 in the league, uh, the jig's up. The the jig's kind of up at that point. You're on the wrong side of the bubble, in my opinion. So Iowa State needs to get back on track tonight. They need to get this win. This non-conference record has allowed them to sustain a four-game losing streak. Okay, it's over. It's got to stop tonight. It's got to stop now. Big game. That's the big game tonight, I think, um, if you're talking about, you know, uh, bubble teams. Because Oklahoma, if they lost this game, could still hang around it. Iowa State, I mean, what are we doing at that point? If you lose this game, we get 10 conference losses. Hey Josh, we, we know that RPI, strength of schedule, and some of the other things that are, are important when it comes to the NCAA putting the field together. How important and how does it factor in those quadrant one victories? It's big. You know, they look and say, right, how many quadrant one wins do you have? That's what factors a lot into the net rankings that we see. And, you know, I think the net rankings, they've had a goal of trying to simplify a whole lot of, of what we see and make things easier. And I, I do like the idea of quadrant one wins. The problem is, like I mentioned with that UVA Tech situation we had last night, you know, there needs to be some conversation about, all right, well, is, is Tech beating UVA on their home floor? Is that really a quadrant three win? UVA is a good team. They just beat Duke last week. They won four straight games. So you have to be careful when you're looking at the quadrant one uh, situation, you know, with those. Now, it, it, I think to me, I'm not sure I always use them as a, um, as a barometer of whether a team should be in or not. I think it's more like it, they tell more of a story, right? So Baylor's nine and three against quadrant one teams. It tells me that they're a really good team. They've had a lot of opportunities against good teams too, and, and they're well coached and they're just objectively a good team. 
Houston, on the other hand, is 0-3 in their quadrant one opportunities. Small sample size, that might tell me when Houston runs up against the best competition, they're actually not getting things done. But once again, what does qualify as a quadrant one win can sometimes be a bit tricky. So I always think it's important to kind of look at the resume and get some more context before we really understand, you know, before we we just use the net ratings uh, like that. I I still think resume above all is what really helps you. Josh, what do you got? uh, What do you got on the, on the podcast coming up? Yeah, today uh, I'm going to be putting together my all big 12 team. I know we still have five or six games left, but at this point in the season, all big 12 team for hoops and, we're starting to look forward to that NFL draft coming up, and so we'll see which Big 12 players could get drafted. So all that stuff's coming up now. Josh, as always, it's a pleasure. We appreciate your time today. Pleasure, guys. Talk to you Talk soon. Talk to you soon. That is uh, Josh Neighbors from the podcast Locked on Big 12.